0: Well, good morning. I hope that uh, you are doing well today. The, uh, it's beautiful, isn't it? Just being outside, the temperature's right, the trees are turning. Uh, it's that time of year. It's just absolutely beautiful. Hey, I, w- I want to just tell you about something because we didn't really, we had a, uh, as you heard, we had a video where TJ was going to explain some of that to you, but that didn't work for whatever reason. And so I just want to make sure you know about the event that's coming up November the 10th. Um, it'll be at the vault, and it's what I call a photo show. It's a photo show. You know how sometimes you go to uh, maybe a display of art that, where people have painted and they put it all on display? Well, this is, these are photos, and they are photos of the kids who are involved in our Project Nick shelters across the world. Um, we had a young lady, Bailey Fiddler, is her name, who spent uh, a chunk of time this summer being willing to travel to those shelters. And she took pictures, she she gathered stories for the purpose of being able to come back and help us promote and help us love these kids. And so I knew that if I just said, hey, there's going to be a little photo show, you're going to just come and go, you can show up at the vault, walk through, Um, They're going to tell you some of the stories of the kids, but you can just get a look that you would probably think, hmm, I wonder if that's like, I wonder if those would be any good. You know, like, is this like Pastor Jeff taking a picture with his phone, you know, and put a frame on it? I mean, will they be any good? And so I brought some evidence. This is the level that we're talking. And I just wanted you to see that today. I mean, I think that is absolutely fantastic. The the quality of these pictures are amazing. These are four of the young men who are fed and clothed and cared for and told about Jesus in our Project Nick shelters. And so what's what's the purpose of this? Well, I, I want you to know that it's just the opportunity that for some of us a visual is helpful. A visual maybe that we can hang in our, you know, living room, a visual that... uh, I'm going to go ahead and pass this off so I don't have to carry that around. Thank you, sir. A visual that maybe hangs in your living room somewhere in your house that not only for you, but also just for your kids, that just reminds your family of what you get to be a part of. It reminds your family of a heart that's just bigger than ourselves, but we want to invest in kids like these who who really... uh, This world sees them as not valuable, unimportant, but we know that our God says differently. And so, this is going to be just a show. There will be a bunch of those photos like that, all different sizes. Some of them are giant, some of them are small, and you can just walk through the vault and see if there's something that you're interested in. If you're not, that's cool. That's cool. I promise you, this is not about trying to drag more out of those of you who have already committed to support a child. Thank you for doing that. Some of you, as more than one child. Thank you for doing that. That's not what this is about. It really is more of an opportunity for some of us that we want to take a next step. For some of us, we'd love to have something visual to be able to just remind us on a daily basis to pray for these kids. It reminds our kids about what the world is like um, that they often don't see right here in our own backyard. Um, I also would encourage you that um, it might be a connection point. For me, this is the kind of, of opportunity where you could invite somebody to dinner, maybe, and on that night, the 10th, you say, but one of the things I want to do is I want to go by this photo show, and I just want to see the photos, bring them with you. They're going to hear some stories about kids in other places in the world. They're going to see the photos, and they might just get a picture a little clearer of how Jesus loves. What a cool, non-threatening way to do that. You're not dragging them to church. You're not dragging them to something. Just bring them to the photo show, and you can walk through. You can spend however many minutes you want to spend there, and then you'll be free to go, all right? So I just wanted you to know about it. November the 10th, going to be at the vault. Um, We'll have more info next week, but just wanted you to kind of start to uh, protect those times if you want to be a part, again, of something that I think is so crazy valuable. All the proceeds go to Project Nick. All the proceeds go to taking care of the kids that we've been talking about for the past couple of months. All right? Y'all awake today? All right. Wake up. Whatever you got to do. All right? Wake up. Here we go. This is our final week in a series called This Is What We Do. This is what we do. Now, it might be the final week in the series, but it's certainly not the final week in, in what, we're, what we're talking about and what we're growing in here. We're going to be growing in this for the rest of our lives. But hopefully, this six weeks, for you, has sort of been like this image. When, when, when people first see the image of the title slide, it's like, what, what is that? And then the, the more you look at it, it, it becomes clear that, It's Jesus. It's this image of Jesus. There's a crown of thorns, and here's his eye. And for some people, it just takes a few minutes for their eyes to get it. And I'm saying, I'm praying that that's kind of what's happened in this series a little bit. That we hear the word worship, but hopefully in these weeks, it's become a little clearer, at least in terms of what this is really about. When we use the word worship, here's, here's the definition we're going with. Worship... Is a response. It's a response to what we value most. That's worship. A response to what we value most. Everybody worships. And what we've talked about is we are such a consumptive society, we are such a human centered society, we tend to turn everything for ourselves. That's what we do. Even worship. We will turn it as though it's something for ourselves, but what we've learned is that worship is not primarily about what we receive. Worship is about what we give. It is the response to what we value most, and that's supposed to be the God who made us and who loves us, gives us breath to declare his greatness. Worship belongs to God. So, If you weren't here last week, we're kind of really piggybacking off of what what we got to last week in in John chapter 4. We're going to read the scripture here in just a second, but this is what we learned from Jesus last week that we want to run out a little more this week. Jesus said when it comes to worship, worship is not primarily about where. It's not about the where. In last week's story, it wasn't about a mountain in Jerusalem. It wasn't about Mount Gerizim. Worship's not about a building. It's not about this building or another building. Worship is not about where. Worship is about whom, and worship is about how. And this is the verse that we anchored in last week, John chapter 4, verse 23. Here's what Jesus said. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. And so the first question is, okay, who is the whom? Who who is this about? And the answer is the Father. He says that the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And it's the Father who seeks these worshipers. He seeks true worshipers. And if you think about this whole worship is the end it is the end picture of this whole redemption process that God has made available to us. This whole picture of a God who made us to know him and love him, but our sin separates us from him, but God in his love makes this way. He sends his one and only son, dies the death that needed to be died to pay that price, He he becomes our substitute, rises from the dead in order that when we call out to him in faith, by his grace, he will forgive my sin and he will fill me with his righteousness. He now makes me his child that can worship him with my life. It's the end of the redemption process. That's why this is the picture we see in heaven, that that we will worship him for, for all of eternity. My words, my actions, my life, declaring the Father's greatness. But how? He answers the how in spirit and in truth. And just in case you didn't get it in this verse, He gives us the next verse, and he repeats it again, verse 24. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in the spirit and in truth. Twice he uses this phrase. Now, the question is, and we wrestled with this last week, is the spirit here, are we talking about the Holy Spirit, or are we talking about our spirit? Now, in the NIV, it's capitalized. And so the translation is is making reference to the Holy Spirit. Some translations you will see a small s. I I believe the context of what we're reading here, it's it is our spirit. However, this is correct in the sense that the Holy Spirit is required, or our spirit will never worship our God. Without the Holy Spirit, we're spiritually dead. Without God's Spirit, we don't understand even spiritual things. Check this out, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Check out the scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolish, foolishness, and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. Well, that's pretty clear. Without God's Spirit, we don't understand spiritual things. Without God's Spirit, we're spiritually dead. But when His Spirit takes up residence in our life, then our spirit celebrates through His Spirit. We care about His Word. We care about His presence more than anything else of earthly wealth. The word we could substitute for the word Spirit. Let's go back to John chapter 4. The word we could substitute for the word spirit, for our spirit, what's he talking about here? It's enthusiasm. That's the word. It, it would be this joy. It would be this energy. It would be this passion. That when it comes to worship, there is this overflowing of our heart. Our heart's affection is just overflowing for our God. Kind of like what it feels like right now. Right? Right? enthusiasm. What's truth? What's truth? But when he talks about in spirit and in truth, the truth, he's talking about Jesus. That's the way I would summarize it most. It is his presence. It is his word. And for us, what we know is that God's word, the scripture, I mean, this is where we find the truth of who God is. This is where we find the truth of how our God operates, what he does. We celebrate out of the truth that we read about from God's word. So here's what Jesus was dealing with in that story in in John chapter 4. You have the Samaritans who were very enthusiastic, but they didn't know the truth. And then you had the Jews who had the truth, but a lot of the times… You were looking for a pulse. It's like we know some things about God, but is anybody actually breathing spiritually? We, we know some things about God, but if these things about God are really true, shouldn't there be like some joy and some energy and some passion and some enthusiasm that we have? And here's what I'm saying. You look at churches today, and the same patterns sometimes exist to where you have churches that are just really excited, churches that are, that are really enthusiastic, but lots of times, unfortunately, th- there is some, some misunderstanding, misteaching of, of truth. It is enthusiastic heresy. But then on the flip side, you got people who are anchored to God's Word, but it's like lifeless orthodoxy. It's like, come on, is anybody breathing? It's not supposed to be one or the other. Jesus said God deserves both when it comes to our worship, our mind's attention and our heart's affection for the Father. So, question. What would, what, what would make God declare of us? those are true worshipers? Like, what would make God look across this room and go, these are true worshipers? What would would that require? That we would be like those pictures we see in Scripture, maybe a David. We We read passages like, psalm chapter 51 check out what it says in in psalm chapter 51 open my lips lord and my mouth will declare your praise do not delight in sacrifice or i would bring it you do not take pleasure in burnt offerings my sacrifice O god is a broken spirit a broken and contrite heart you god will not despise now, here's what David says. David says, God, I know this is not supposed to be about an external show with you. God, you, you're not just about a bunch of people who come together and put on a show. That, that it's seen that they go to church. It's seen that they pray some prayers. It's seen that every once in a while they, they give of an offering. God, this is not about an external show with you. God, you are about the heart. I know that about you, God. And so I ask you this. Go back to verse 15. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. When I read that verse, I, I'm, I've got the picture of a man, David, whose heart is so filled with praise that what he says is, if, if, if you can just get my mouth to open, when it opens, what's going to happen is that everything is inside, that's, it's going to just come out. If you will pry my lips open, God, then I am going to declare your praise. That is a picture of worship in the power of God's Spirit. God, what I'm going through right now, my circumstances are such that it almost feels like I don't even have the strength to open my mouth. But God, if you will open my mouth, then when that happens, praise is going to come forth. It is my heart overflowing, mouth open, praise gushes out. Is that how you feel this morning? Is that how you feel today? Is that the way you would characterize your life? And if not, I'm asking the question: how can we get practical with this so that our lives are not like the lives of the Jews that Jesus dealt with in that day where they had all the facts? But their heart, man, it was cold. Their heart was indifferent. Their heart was bored. What do we do? Well, here's, here's where I think we can go. Here's what we got to, here's the necessity, number one. It is the presence of the Holy Spirit. That's where we got to start. And you're like, Jeff, didn't you kind of already say that? I did kind of already say that, and I'm going to kind of say it like hopefully a hundred times over, you know, even the rest of this year, and and hopefully thousands of times over the times that that we meet together, it is about the presence of the Holy Spirit. Well, how does that happen? Well, the Bible says that when you believe, when when you entrust your life to Jesus, you see him. He's the Savior. He is the King of all. When I entrust my life to Him, His Spirit comes to dwell in me. And it's His Spirit that moves me to worship. Before you can worship God in your spirit, His Spirit has to prompt you to that. He prompts you. He corrects you. He cleans you. He instructs you. He works your heart that you might praise him. Here's another verse out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Check out what this says. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. In in other words, if the Holy Spirit doesn't do what He does to open your eyes and to open your heart, you're never going to affirm Jesus as the King of this universe. You're never going to see His sovereignty and His control. It's God's Spirit who opens your eyes to see that. So here's just the question that has to be asked. Maybe it is the case in some circumstances that the reason you find yourself bored with spiritual things and the reason honestly that you would just as soon miss as be with God's people is just sometimes better things come along or maybe the reason you don't really spend much time with God it can be that God's Spirit doesn't actually live in you. It can be that God's Spirit does not actually reside in your life. And come on, I want you to hear what I'm saying because the fear that I have is sometimes people are around church. They're around church for a long time. They know the stuff. They're just like the people to which God was talking to. They know the facts, but they've never actually entrusted their life to Jesus. I'm not talking about it's something that you got to work, right? I'm not talking about if you're a better person than you got him. I'm not talking about, right, if you, if you prayed harder than you got him. No, I'm talking about some people have just never come to that place that they've actually surrendered their life to him. They've gained facts, they get info, but they've never actually surrendered to the king. That question has to be asked. Does God's Spirit really dwell in me? If he does, then there's a second necessity that we need to look at today. It is not only the presence of the Holy Spirit, but it is thoughts centered on God. Thoughts centered on God. Worship is an overflow of a mind That's renewed by the truth of God. Contemplating God is the trigger that sets off worship. You hear me? Thinking about God, contemplating God, zeroed in on who he is, that's the trigger that sets off worship. It's like the motor that turns the flywheel that energizes the the emotion in us. that's, That's what... Thoughts centered on God. We we must be thinking about Him or worship is not going to take place. There's a word that we can use to summarize what I'm talking about. And it's a word that I hope doesn't freak you out when I first say it. Give me a chance to explain it. Here's what I mean. True worship, true worship comes out of meditation. 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 Now, when you hear the word meditation, sometimes there is a lot of weird stuff that comes with that, and I'm asking you this morning to forget everything pretty much that you've heard about meditation, all right? All the goofy things that you've ever seen about what it means to meditate, I want you to do your best to kind of probably throw that out and realize that when we're talking about meditation when it comes to worshiping God, it is simply this, it is focusing your mind all of your mind on one subject. That's meditation. It's focusing all of your mind on one subject. Your reason, your imagination, your emotion, everything that you've got is zeroed in on one subject. And we're saying here, that subject is who? It's God, it's the Father. It's who he is, all right? Now, let's take it a little deeper. We can understand this process. True worship comes out of meditation. And in order to meditate on something, you gotta be, you got to be thinking through something. We're going to use this word, it comes out of what we're going to call discovery. Meditation comes out of discovery. You discover a truth about God. You, you discover this truth, this is who he is. And then you begin to meditate on that truth, and as you meditate on that truth with all your heart, with, with all your mind, what's going to happen is that eventually your lips are pried open, and what comes out? Praise. That's how it works. Praise is then the result. So one more step, and then we'll be there. True worship comes out of meditation. All, our mind focused on one thing, that meditation is really of a discovery of a truth about who God is. Well, how do you get this? You ready? It's time with God. It's time with God. You know that you know that that thing that none of us have enough of. Time with God. Time with God spent in prayer and spent in his word. Now, when most people think I think about prayer, here's the sad part. Most people think about prayer in that it is the means by which I ask God for everything that I need and want. That's how we define prayer. Prayer is me taking some time during any given day to ask God for the things that I need and ask God for the things that I want. And don't get me wrong, he tells us to ask. That is a part of what prayer is. But if that's all that we see about prayer, then honestly, we have missed the most critical piece of what this blessing, this this privilege of prayer really is. We are missing this communal Aspect We we are missing this communion element. What is prayer? It is being with God. It is being with God. It is is no different than, think about some of you, you you may have a a good relationship, uh, maybe with your spouse, or it's a friendship that you have that's really strong. You get it. When, when, you, when you want to connect with that person, it's much bigger than just what you, you're asking for. You actually want to be with them. It's, it's the presence together. That's the part that we miss about prayer because we immediately just think prayer is when I ask. This is where I beg God for the stuff that I really want him to, to give me, and we don't practice the presence of God. Realizing that prayer, just like when we talk about worshiping, is not confined to one moment. It's not confined to a service. It's not confined to a building. I can be in prayer all the time, recognizing the presence of God. So if, if you gather, let's just make this a microcosm of all that. If you gather for this kind of moment and you're bored, you're bored, It might be a commentary on the teaching. Might be. There are times that I could say something a lot better. There are times that I could explain something a lot better. So if you're bored, sometimes it might be a reflection on the teaching. If you're bored, sometimes it might be a commentary on the music. I mean, sometimes it just just doesn't work. It just doesn't seem to happen. It just, that, that, it just, it just, maybe it is. But I'm asking you to also see whether it's a commentary on those two things or not, it is a commentary on your heart. It's a commentary on your heart if you gather with the family of God and you're bored. It is a reflection, it is a commentary of something that is happening or not happening in my heart because you could have the worst delivery of a talk in the history of the world and you could have the worst presentation of a song, I mean, off-beat, off-tune. Off t- off I mean, you, you, it could be the worst. But but if, if there are truths that are being spoken and there are truths that are being read and those truths are about the greatness of God, don't get me wrong, I understand it can be a challenge when the delivery's not right, but those truths alone ought to stir something in our heart to where we don't even really need a song to worship God. Y'all got that? We don't even, you, don't, you don't have to have me up here doing a message in order for you to worship God. You, it is His presence. It, it is that you recognize who He is. And as you gravitate around those truths, there ought to be something from within our heart that explodes. I want you to listen to this quote. He was one of the best Orators, preachers that um, ever walked the planet, we simply call him Spurgeon. And this is, this is a quote, this is what he said. Why is it that some people are often in a place of worship and yet they're not holy? It is because they neglect their closets. Obviously, he's talking prayer closets. They love the wheat, but they do not grind it. They would have the corn, but they will not go forth into the field and gather it. The fruit hangs on the tree, but they will not pluck it. And the water flows at their feet, but they will not stop to drink it. In other words, he's asking the question, why is it that our God is present the truth of who he is, it's there. God gives us his word. He gives us those things, and yet it's like it's right there, but we don't take it. Now, I'm saying if you come in here on a regular basis and the prayer in your heart is, man, I hope Jeff comes up with something good today to get me into worship mood. All right? man, I, I, hope, I hope Jeff comes up with something good today to stir my heart that I can worship, then we have totally missed what this is about. We've missed it. Because what that is is I'm coming in here to get I'm coming in here, I, I, I need something, and so what is Jeff or Jason or whoever going to deliver? What are they going to give me to get me in a worship mood? And I'm saying, we ought to see it instead to where what happens when we gather in this room is kind of like supposed to be the topping. It's supposed to be the topping On on what already is there. That God wants you to live with a heart that is so eager to worship him that you can't hardly wait to get here and gather with his kids because of what you have experienced from him during a week. Times that you have meditated over these discoveries of just exploding in your mind. You spent time with God and he spoke to you. You get that? He spoke, the God of the universe speaking to your heart. Wow, this is who he is. This is what he showed me, and then I cannot wait. Forget a countdown. We don't even need a countdown anymore because everybody's getting here early because we want to hang out with people whose hearts are like ours, people who have been stirred by his presence. And then whatever Jeff comes up with today and whatever songs we sing, it don't even really matter if we like it or not. It's like the topping on the top of this beautiful picture that God has built. And all you got to do is pry our mouths open a little bit and out gushes praise. That's the way God wants us to live. That's the way God wants us to know His goodness. But there's one more piece that I think hinders us in doing that. So we've got the presence of the Holy Spirit, and we've got thoughts centered on God. But what is also required is an undivided heart. I chose to say it that way because of some scripture that I'm going to read to you in a minute. So just an undivided heart. Here's where I'm going. How easy is it for you to meditate? How good are you at that? Now, some of you are like, I don't know, because I've never tried that. I'm going to try it this week. Going to be my first shot at that, right? Going to just try it all my mind focused in one spot. But how, how, how easy for us is it to meditate on anything? How easy is it for us to concentrate on anything, just, just one thing? Now, one of the things I know, this is what I know. You learn it early on when, when, when you're a preacher. People don't listen to everything you say. They don't, they don't, they don't, you stand up here and you say stuff, and they don't listen to everything that you say. Over the time frame, they will tune out, and then they will tune back in, and then they will tune out, and they will tune back in. Some of y'all just came back, welcome back, it's good to see you guys again, welcome back. All right, because here's what's going on, this is one of the few moments of your week when you're like sitting still, because you don't sit still. It's one of the few moments where every once in a while it gets quiet. And the lights go out, right? We just go to sleep, right? And and if not, then what happens is you're trying to zero in, but you're thinking about that home project that you you know you are just so tired of that thing not being finished. What what else do we need to get? What else do we need to do to be able to get that done? Or you're thinking about the restaurant that you're hoping to be able to go to by the time. Um, we get out of here, or you're thinking about work that's pressing you tomorrow morning, some stuff that you know is just hanging over your head. Maybe you're thinking about the trip that you're looking forward to taking before too long. Some of y'all are just fishing somewhere. That's what you're doing right now. You're thinking about that fishing spot. That, that's, that's where you'd like to be. Or if you're a guy, sometimes we're thinking about nothing. That's right. That's right. We have that ability. It is true. I'm not making that up. We can think about nothing sometimes, and then every once in a while, whoop, we're like back in. We're back in. I'm back. I'm back. What did, what did I miss? Have you noticed, even if you're a sports fan especially, if you guys watch sports, like watching the World Series a little bit maybe, um, or maybe you just watch some of the postseason, whatever, have you noticed how different they do commercials now? H- have you noticed that like in the World Series, when a commercial plays half the time, it's not a screen of the whole, of, like the whole screen is not the commercial. What happens is they will keep the live shot between the inning. So, so you're, you know, it's the middle of the seventh, and that is on one side of your TV, and you're still watching what's happened at the ballpark, and the, and the commercial comes up on the left side. It's like two, you're watching two things. And now, sometimes in the middle of an inning, in the middle of an inning, it'll just run a commercial real quick, but the, but the shot's still there. It's like, oh my goodness, we, we can't even pause for 30 seconds to see one message. We keep the options open so that your mind can go whichever direction you want to do. I'm saying we got to realize that we have stopped pursuing the discipline of isolating our mind on one subject. We have stopped we we have quit we have quit pursuing the discipline of isolating our mind on one subject and when i use the word discipline that means it involves training when i use the word discipline it means it involves some work it involves some effort let me show you that i don't think we're crazy in this this has been a struggle for a long time Psalm chapter 86, verse 5, hear again what David says. Psalm chapter 86, verse 5, you, Lord, are forgiving and good. Y'all believe that? Yeah. God, you, you forgive. It's not just that you will, but God, you want to. God, you are forgiving and good, abounding in love to all who call to you. Let's keep going. Hear my prayer, Lord. Listen to my cry for mercy. When I am in distress, I call to you because you answer me. Among the gods there is none like you, Lord. No deeds can compare with yours. All the nations you have made will come and worship before you, Lord. They will bring glory to your name. For you are great and do marvelous deeds. You alone our God. Now, here's, what I'm, here's where I'm going. David, David is worshiping. I mean, his expression is powerful. He is pouring out his heart to God. He is reflecting on the wonder. He's reflecting on the attributes of who God is. But David's got a problem. And it's the same problem that we have. And in verse 11, he reveals two uh, two parts of that problem. Here's what he says in verse 11. First of all, he says, teach me your way, Lord. Teach me your way, Lord, that I might rely on your faithfulness. What does that mean? God, I need to hear from you. God, I want your direction. God, I want your word. I want your instruction. In other words, God, I want the truth from you. God, I want the truth. God, I, He wants to discover things like God's faithfulness. He says, God, I need to know the, the truth of who you are. I need to know the truth of, of how you act. God, I, I need, teach me your way. God, teach me your truth. God, teach me your word. By the way, do you realize that discovery isn't always something new? That sometimes when you spend time with God and the wow factor happens with you, you heard it before. You heard it before, but you ain't acting like you heard it before. You're not believing like you heard it before. Somebody taught it to you somewhere in the past, but here you are spending time with God, and it just blows up off the page, and you're like oh, yes, I forgot about that. Sometimes discovery is not always something new. Sometimes it is, but sometimes it's remembering something that you've already been taught, and sometimes it's just seeing it clearer than you've ever seen it before. David says, I need truth. But then he says this, give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. To fear his name is a euphemism for worship. To, to, to reflect on, to, to honor, to see the awesomeness of who God is, that it, it is to worship him. And, and God, in order to do that, I need an undivided heart. You know, like when you say, I'm going to pray. I'm going to spend some time praying. And so you you get in your chair, or you you get in your closet, or you get whatever it is, and you are ready to pray, and you start to pray, God, it's good to talk to you this morning. and, And what happens, flares start going off, don't they? They do. You're trying to pray. you're trying to zero in with God, and all of a sudden you absolutely are thinking about, "Oh, I forgot to do that. Oh oh, yeah, and I'm supposed to meet whoever." And I wonder how, I wonder how they're doing. And I, and I mean, I mean, isn't it true? It is so difficult when you try to zero in on that. Don't tell me David didn't know what that was like. David was the king. He has some stuff to do. He had some responsibilities. He's the king. He knows what it's like to try to focus all your mind on one subject, and then all of a sudden just just find yourself being all over the place. It's what he refers to as an undivided heart. God, I want my heart to just be zeroed in on you. So I want to encourage you a little bit today. Because some of y'all are trying. You really are. You're trying. Just the stories of people talking about, "Hey, I'm 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 doing that one percent. I really appreciate that. I thank you guys for sending it out. You know, and and it's like you're trying it. And so today, I want to encourage you in that for those of you who are trying to take those steps. And so I just I want to try um, to show you something that I think could be helpful. We're going to let. Um, this. These are ping pong balls if you can't see them from the back. They are, they are orange ping pong balls. And, and we're going to let this image um, represent our life. And the ping pong balls represent um, where I am missing it in regards to the heart of my God. Um, these ping pong balls uh, might represent just flat-out disobedience, where God is saying one thing, and I'm doing something else. Um, God said, don't do that, and, and I am. Um, God says, do this, and I'm not. Um, some of these may represent fear. Um, he says, trust me on this, and I don't. I'm hanging on to it, hanging on to stuff tighter than I should, because I'm, I'm not trusting Him. It may represent some um, failures, maybe of the past, some things that um, have actually come to define me, mistakes that I've made that this is is just how I think people see me, and, and this is how I honestly now see myself. And so think about, you know, fears and failures and doubts, and it's just the place where I miss it with God. And so what I've learned, right, is um, what I know I need is time with him. I mean, well, I, I know that in, in order to, for this to be right, that I, there, there has to be those, that time of discovery where I'm, I'm zeroed in on who he is, being with him, like, like being with Jesus at that well and experiencing living water, right? And so… What happens is I, I come to um, a day like today, and, and uh, you know, hopefully Jeff will say something to at least, you know, get a little juice flowing. Ho- hopefully we'll, we'll sing something that kind of, you know, uh, makes that move, and, and so um, a little living water um, begins to flow. Um, but if you're not careful, that pattern will look like you come on Sunday and, and you kind of get a swig and then pretty dry the rest of the week. And because of that, you're making new commitments. The, the new commitments are, I don't want this to just be a Sunday thing for me. I, I don't. I don't want to just come in here on, on Sunday and, you know, Jeff, Jeff pours the drinks. And, and I, instead, I, I'm, 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 I'm going after that 1% thing. And so Monday morning, Monday morning, you're taking some time. And 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 you're taking a drink, right? You you're trying to spend some time with him, and quite honestly, then Tuesday's kind of just a nightmare situation, and it doesn't work, and you can't you can't you find yourself at the end of the day going, oh, I meant to do that and I didn't, and on Wednesday I meant to do that and I didn't, but but on Thursday, I mean, I, I said I was going to do that, and so uh, I'm I'm committing that that, that, that I'm going to do that, and, and and maybe you hit it again on Saturday, and and uh, then you come again on Sunday. And, and, you know, hopefully Jeff's got something new next week that he can start that again. But, but you look at it, and you go, I don't know if this is really making a difference. It doesn't feel like this is making a difference. Because a lot of the things that I've been struggling with, they're just they're kind of still, I'm still struggling with them. A lot of the things that I feel like define me, it still, it still feels like it defines me. And so today, I encourage you to not quit. And I encourage you to believe that if you really believe what you say you believe in regards to how powerful God's Word is and what time spent with Him, there's a reason that you want to do it. You just just are still working that. You're still, it's called discipline and disciplines work. Discipline involves training. If it didn't, you'd already be doing all the stuff that you really want to do already. You would. You would already be in a good pattern. You'd already be in a good habit. But you're trying to establish that habit. But there's part of you going, I just don't don't think this is really working. I don't think this is really working. Here's what I'm telling you. Ask him. Ask him to keep pouring in. Ask him to keep pouring in. Yeah, you you keep being a part of this gathering when we come together. You, You keep being a part of celebrating. Oh, my goodness. Oh, look at that, and, and you, you keep zeroed in on, on 1% every morning or every evening. You're, you're reading, and, and you're praying, and you're taking some time to, to journal, right? Some, you're, you're like having to slow down, and, and, you, and you're kind of having to focus on what's going on, and it's okay if we lose them because we don't want them back anyway. And so we, you just you keep drinking, you, you keep drinking, and before you know it, check that out. There's some stuff that honestly used to own me and now it doesn't anymore. There's some stuff that I, I thought at one time defined me, but it doesn't it's, that stuff doesn't define me anymore. I want to encourage you that there really is a supernatural effect to continuing to drink, continuing to consume, continuing to feed on God's Word, continuing to operate in His presence. But what happens when we're better than we used to be, but we stop asking God to keep pouring out His living water into our lives. Y'all see where I'm going? W- what happens when I'm better than I used to be? Because you see all, all this stuff, it, it used to be. Th- this stuff that, that that's way behind me now, but it, it used to be, but not anymore. What happens when you're not who you are? Used to be, you're better than you used to be, but we but we stop letting God continue to pour that into our lives. And I'm saying what what happens is, okay, there there are victories that are being expressed, but, but there's still there's still stuff that God wants to 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 work. There's still stuff that God wants to free me from. And and as long as this is going on, and I I'm, every once in a while I get back to just taking a sip now and then, it's like I can I can. I can rationalize whatever. It's like, it's, it's, my, it's the stress that I go through at work. I mean, honestly, my, my work is so stressful. It, it's okay. I think God's okay with me. Um, I'm just picking something. Drink. It's okay if I drink. I'm not talking about enjoy a drink. I'm talking about I drink so that I can numb. I can numb my heart. I can numb my thoughts. I do that every once in a while, right? Once a week so that I can just forget it. I think God's okay. And... and, and if we're not careful, because we, we, we know God's good, right? Because we got some stuff in here. We, we know that God will make a way. He will. He'll make a way. God doesn't bring us this far to drop us off, right? It's like, I got enough. I got some stuff. I know. I know some truths about God. He's good. He's good all the time. And b- before I know it, I will use the stuff that I've got to begin to rationalize, though, what is still there. And I, today, want to encourage you to keep going after it. And you keep reading. You keep spending time with him. You keep praying. You get in that small group. Seriously, get in that life team. Why? Because it's people who also love Jesus, right? It is people who who they love Jesus too. They love Jesus too. And, and and they will be they will also follow him. Anybody not want that? Where the stuff that's controlled you doesn't control you anymore. And the guilt the guilt that used to define you doesn't define you anymore. The mistakes that you thought would forever be the banner that hangs over your life, no. You say, Jeff, well, nobody though is perfect. That's not my point. Because this, this is part, this part I like. Because you know what, there's always been an enemy that lies to you, and when you get to this point, if you think he's going to stop lying to you, 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 you have, he has lied to you, all right? He's going to keep lying to you. But here's the beauty of what happens. When God is pouring out his spirit into your life, it is this, it is this spring of living water that is, that is flowing up right into eternal life, and every once in a while he lies to you again right? He lies to you again, and he says, you're not valuable. You you really don't matter. You're never going to make it. But does anybody recognize it doesn't get past the surface? That's cool. It doesn't get past the surface. He's lying to me, but it's not going deep. In fact, even when I try to make it go deep, it it, it won't go deep, right? It, it, It won't stay there anymore. That's the point. When he fills you up, even when he lies to you again, you can see it for what it is. You recognize it having no power when you are anchored in the truth of God's word. Keep hanging out with God and let him pour living water into you. Does that help you? Look, some of you are true worshipers. Your spirit responds to the truth of who God is with joy. You have passion and you have enthusiasm, and I'm not talking about just when you come into a room like this for corporate worship, I'm talking about some of you, you are true worshipers in that you, you, it's reflected in your life. There is a joy, there is an enthusiasm, there is a passion. You worship God because you spend time with Him and you discover those truths and you meditate on those truths. and you, All we have to do in here is say, ah, and you just praise. But some of you are not true worshipers. You're not true worshipers because some of you come in here and it's more about what you can get And it has not yet become in your life about what you can give in regards to praising God, in regards to how you declare His greatness. And what I'm about to say applies to you. I'm going to be really, really transparent. (laughs) There are some times that I don't want to do something like this. I'm just being transparent. I personally like this illustration. I think it's kind of a cool visual. I really do. It helps me put something to my mind. But there are times that that I struggle with going, I don't really want to do that Sunday. You know why I don't want to do it Sunday? It's because I'm going to come in here, I'm going to buy a bunch of ping pong balls, put them in the water, do the whole deal, make it flow, make it work. And when they leave, you know what they're going to talk about? Ping pong balls. And when somebody asks him how worship goes today, I go, well, that was this cool thing. It jumped did ping pong balls and poured the water in, and, and it was a cool thing, and, and we talk about ping pong balls. And sometimes I just fear that you like that illustration, but I don't know if God wowed you today at any point. I don't know if he wowed you today. And next week we'll come back and I'll have to come up with a better illustration. I'll have to come up with something better next week. I'll have to come up with something that makes more sense and it's, you know, it works better and it's more visual. And it's, it's like, I'll have to come up with something better. It's why sometimes I, I don't want to do this because it's like I, I, I don't want to wow with ping pong balls when we could have been wowed by God. And then usually God and I have a conversation. And he goes, well, you just do what I tell you to do. In fact, it goes something like this. Jeff, if you feel like that, how do you think I feel? I mean, can you imagine how God feels when, when we come together and, like, we're never, if we don't, we're not ever wowed anywhere in that process? And so, will you just keep doing what I tell you to do and keep teaching and you keep illustrating because it's not going to be ping pong balls that actually mess with people's hearts. It's going to be God's spirit. So, quit acting like you're doing that, Right? Jeff, just just pour the water over the ping pong balls and let my spirit do what my spirit can do. I want to challenge you that I think the key to what most of us are after when it comes to worship, this true celebration response of who God is, how great he is, that is never going to happen truly. it will never happen in its truest sense, even if we get to the place that we could put together the biggest, the baddest, the most perfect gathering, celebration, sermons, songs, videos, ping pong balls. It, it won't be true if our hearts are not actually connected to the God that we say we came here to worship. My point is, go after it. Come on, don't stop. Again, some of you are doing good. You're, for the first time in your life, you're trying to spend some time every day, and here's what you're going to find. The more you pour that water in, the more he, he's, he's pouring into you, you you're going to start seeing him, not just in the morning when you do 1%. You're going to start seeing him at work. You're going to start, oh, wow, I think that was God. And, and you're going to find yourself throughout the day recognizing more of his presence. You will practice the presence of God. And the more that happens... Then all's got to happen is we come in here, and somebody hits one note, or strikes one drum, and your mouth opens, and praise erupts. Our God deserves our worship. Mind's attention, heart's affection. Let's love him with everything we got. I'm going to pray for us. We're going to be closed today. We're going to close it down. And if it's it's my fault, I know you're like, I wish we could sing at the end. I know. But what I didn't want to create in last week and this week is some like guilt you into where we got to sing some songs and I don't really feel like it today, but Jeff says this is what we got to do. No. How about this week? We exit here. We go home. We spend time with God. You fight for that. Fight for that. And then we'll come back next week and when our mouths are pried open, we will sing, all right? We'll be available. If you need us after, we'll be here. I'll pray, we'll be dismissed. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your truth. I thank you that you don't let us just settle for a meeting. You don't let us just settle for showing up going through some motions, even, even when it's good. God, even, even when the, the sound is good and sometimes every once in a while a, an illustration might be good. God, there's, there's some good to it, but God, you don't let us just settle for good things. God, our hearts are made for the best, and that's you. So God, I'm praying for your people. God, as they are fighting for this discipline of spending time with you, God, discovering those truths from your word, God, meditating on those truths and then having the opportunity to praise you from that. God, will you help us this week to take steps in that direction? God, will you help us as a church to keep fighting in those directions? Help us to encourage one another. God, I pray that you continue to bless, God, those life teams. God, every scenario where people together are in your word, you're pouring the water in. God, may our mind's attention and may our heart's affection be yours. I love you, and I thank you for what you've shown us today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. Love you.